Welcome to the Genre of Your Life podcast, a show all about movies, TV, and why we love entertainment, episode number 21. I am one of your hosts and the creators of the show, Doug Jones. With me, as always, are my incredible co-hosts. I guess you would say my my Mission Impossible Task Force was an IMF, right? <laughs> mission Impossible, but, but no, Possible Mission Force, that's what it is. Yes, um, sir. Starting with Mr. Nick Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Feeling super happy to be here. Uh, really excited about this. Me too, man. Last but not least, the one, the only, Mr. Joel Kindlin. How's it going, Joe? All right. You know, been just trying to, you know, power through uh, the uh, the abusiveness of life. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was not okay. Uh, yeah, strong, no, Joe. Right. <laughs> as always, uh, as always. <laughs> hey man, life got hands. All right, <laughs> so, what am I gonna say? Uh, but yeah, no, I'm doing all right. Uh, jokes aside, I'm doing all right. Well, glad you all are here. Glad you all are here too are to our audience. Um, as always, guys, you can find the show on your favorite podcast platform service, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, while you're there, hit that follow, subscribe button, leave a review, and rating helps us sell, helps the show tremendously. As always, guys, thank you so much for your support. As well, we're posting the show on out on YouTube, which is really cool. It's the audio version of the show. So if you're on YouTube, scrolling through the midnight or just during the day, you want to put on the background, you can find our YouTube, um, our pockets on the YouTube, our YouTube page, which is also at Midway Avenue Productions, as well as our social medias, Instagram and TikTok, which is also at Midway Avenue Productions. Our website's up and running as well, too, www.midwayavenueproductions.com. And we have a very, very cool announcement that we're going to announce on the show right now. Our lovely and wonderful friends at Frost Communications out here in Phoenix have given us tickets, advanced screening VIP tickets, to our Phoenix listeners for the upcoming comedy movie, Strays, with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. If you're in the Phoenix area, you're in luck. We're going to have three upcoming screenings for this movie. The first is going to be July 26th at 7 p.m., August, 7, August 2nd at 7 p.m., and August 9th at 7 p.m. Nick and I will be going to the critic screening, which is also on August 9th, so you might see me and Nick there at that, at that screening. Um, if you want to RSVP for this, great. Go to our uh, website. Again, midwayavenueproductions.com. Go to the screening link. Go to that link. Click the, uh, the poster for Strays. I'll bring you to a Google RSVP form. Fill out, all inform- fill out all your information. You bring up to one guest. You can pick one screening. Again, we have three dates coming up. And at the very bottom, it'll say, how did you this opportunity? Make sure to put us, Midway Avenue Productions, or the John River Life Podcast. Or go to our Instagram page. Hit that link tree in our bio. Same thing. The first link in that link tree will be a Google form sheet. Click that. Fill all your information out again. And we will hope to see you guys at the movies. I hope you enjoyed the movie, guys. It looks really funny. You know, Jamie Foxx, Will Ferrell are just two funny guys in Hollywood. It's again hard R-rated comedy about like dogs who, um, like one gets uh, uh, left by his owner, the guy goes back to get revenge while they're stray dogs. So looks funny. It's uh, you know Phil Lord, Chris Miller are producing it. Guys who did Cocaine Bear, uh, Jump Street, Spider Verse. So they have a lot of you know good comedic shops coming up. So we hope you guys see, hope you see the movie, guys. And as always, enjoy enjoy the film. All righty. With that being said, before we get to our main topics tonight, boys. Let's talk about this real quick. I think this summer has been the summer of the mid movies, the summer of not good, of not of not good box office. Because holy shit, it has been flop after flop after flop after flop, minus 
we'll see. Minus, I think Fast and Spider Verse are the two kind of like, and maybe Guardians would, maybe Guardians as well put up there are the three kind of like movies that kind of just came out at the early 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 midst of summer and had really good like both domestic and international box office. But once we got to Flash and once we got to Indie Transformers. What in the hell is going on? It's I don't know. I feel like you know we're we are definitely post COVID now. You know, a year ago, or I mean, two years ago, we would be dying for a movie like like Indiana Jones or The Flash. It would be like, man, mm-hmm. return to the movies. But now it's it's like these are, these are these big. First off, these big budget, two hundred fifty, three hundred million dollar plus movies are opening up to nearly fifty to sixty mil domestically opening weekend. And again, this was maybe. 10, 15 years ago, that would be okay. But we live in an era of when a Spider-Man movie, both animated live action, are opening up to 120 mil or $260 million worldwide opening weekend in the US. It just, it's to me, it's like, what, what's going on? I mean, Nick, you, what do you think's been going on with this kind of just like summer of this flops? I mean, it's crazy, right? It's insane. Like, honestly, I'm with you. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I have noticed a bit of a pattern in the past few years like as far as movies go like it seems like the the quality has just generally been kind of um declining um i don't know it kind of seems i don't know if they're just like uh, like it's tough so for indiana jones right yeah without giving anything away I'll say this with Indiana Jones and with the flash without giving anything away. There were certain points in each of those movies where it seemed like something was either left out or like reshot at a certain mm-hmm. point. Like with the flash, the flash is kind of easier to make that assumption with because we know there's that whole shakeup with James Gunn and the DCU. So the original script clearly had to change and blah, blah, blah. But you know, with Indiana Jones, something like Indiana Jones, I can't totally put my finger on it. It seemed like maybe there was a different version of the ending and they tested it out with audiences and they're like, I don't know, I think I kind of want something a little bit happier. And then they changed the ending to kind of like fit within that that want for more of, of a happier ending. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it kind of just seems like... Hollywood, either Hollywood or like the writers or whatever, maybe it's just less effort kind of being put in. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. My, you know, it's a good point. The effort, I believe, is definitely a big part. I agree with you 100% on that. Mm-hmm. And I think what really, this is what I've been kind of hearing about from like other podcasts and reading articles left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think, again, I don't want to put the blame on this, gonna get, we're all pro theatrical. But in a way now, I think streaming has has kind of like trained audiences to be like, oh, I'll be out in digital in three, four, two or three weeks. Cool. I'll, I'll just wait for it. Because again, we're now with excuse me, the, you know, the, the rise of, you know, 4K televisions and great picture quality and IMAX enhance on Disney Plus, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, because of COVID too, the theatrical window got shortened unless you're a James Cameron, Chris Nolan, Tom Cruise, whatever. So a movie mm. like, give me an example, The Flash, you can be on digital tomorrow, basically. I think I think tomorrow, or me Saturday, I want to say. Less than a month after it came out, which is crazy. Back in the day, it would have been like three months in theaters and then get pulled. No, it's going to be on 
uh, streaming this maybe, maybe next this weekend. I want to say okay, mm-hmm. look at Avatar two. Avatar two came out on digital like five or six months after the movie came out in December, and it was still playing in theaters till like March, which is crazy. Um, I think COVID definitely, I would say for sure, is part of it. But I think audiences now are trained to just wait, just wait two, three weeks. I mean, look at Fat again. I saw this last year with Universal. I was very confused by this. But Fast was already on streaming two weeks after we saw it at the screening, Joe, uh, Nick. Like, you and I saw Fast 10, like, a week before the movie came out. It was it, on it streaming, was two like, weeks later? Two weeks later. It's already on, oh, uh, rented on Apple TV or VOD. I'm like, what? I'm like, it just we just saw the screening of it, like, two weeks ago. Like, what What the heck? I, I was yeah, like, I, what? I wonder if, if part of the reason is maybe, like, because I was, I was talking with my roommate about this the other day. Like, movies, like... The whole streaming experience, it's a lot more comfortable and it's a lot more convenient than going yeah. out to the to the movies. Now, my thing is I love going to the movies. I love that experience. I love that atmosphere. Um, but I do kind of see what he means where it's like, well, you know, if you can just stream it at home, why would you go out to the movies? You know, you can just kind of chill out in the jam easy, whatever you got in the fridge yeah. and just you can pause it, play it whenever you feel like it. And so it's like, yeah, maybe. And I think maybe because of COVID, um, it just kind of, it just kind of fed into that whole thing. Like, let me just watch as many of these movies as I can from the comfort of my own home. Yeah, Joe. I mean, um, you, I mean Joe. Yeah, I see you, Joe. What do you think about all this? Like, uh, I, I'm. There's a lot of things that play into this. Of, yeah, you know, movies flopping and people not wanting to go into movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Um. But I feel like some of the main things is that movies are not enticing people anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. From the trailers to the writing to to, you know, the 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 constant need for CGI. Like a lot of movies you see nowadays are just like this gave me this type of movie feel or, you know, like, oh, I already saw this movie before last year when, you know, this movie came out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like there's no creativity in it right now. We are still in the, Oh my God. Like we're still in the era era of, uh, you know, like let's bring back these old movies. Like some of them were okay. You know, some of them were really good. Some were okay. Majority of them were shit. You know what I mean? Like did ET ever came out? I don't even, I remember them. Oh, that remake. Yeah. Where he's older and ET. Yeah. Cause no one wants to see it. No one wants to see it. And we talk about that a lot. And then just our heavy reliance on CGI. CGI is great. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-CGI. What I'm saying is that there's too much CGI in things. And a lot of things, you know, when you want to see a movie, a lot of movies have way too much jokes in it or comedy. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I don't. This this isn't like the movie I, I was hoping to see. Like I get, you know, friends talking, joking back and forth, but there's way too much comedy in every type of movie. Whether it's a horror movie, thriller movie, drama, like there's always some sort of type of comedy in it where you're just like, This isn't a movie where I wanted to come and laugh constantly. You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of the issues are that the, the, the people aren't getting enticed by these movies, you know, from originally from trailers, you know, you see a trailer, you're like, all right, cool. And then you see five fucking more that shows the whole movie. And then you wait till it comes out on digital, you watch it and you're like, yeah, they show the whole movie in trailers. 
you know? Yeah. Or, yeah, or if you went to go see movies, you know, and then the writing's really bad. Writing's really bad. It really is. And I, whether it's the writing was shit from the get-go or, or production or, you know, whatever, they, they changed it up as the movie was going and they took elements out or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, nowadays, I feel like there's a lot more movies where they throw things in it and have no explanation. It was just there. That's it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that. What's that fucking movie? Uh, James Franco made a movie of that movie. The, what is it? The, oh, Disaster Artist? Disaster Artist. In the movie. Yeah, like, mixed all that ever, together, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, the actual movie, when they showed the it, like, uh, so the actual movie that was, the room. you know, the the room you know yeah. they he has this thing where the girlfriend's mom says i have breast cancer it might be terminal and then they never bring it up again and like a lot of fans of that movie's like talk about it like she just said that and it's never brought up again you know what i mean <laughs> where it's like this is a random little thing where you're like what yeah. the fuck was that you know what i mean where you're just like there's no explanation so like i feel like movies are at this point just so discombobulated with so much shit whether it's way too much in it not enough explained or just overall just like it's everywhere and Mm -hmm. there's no like with old movies like it's like they're more concrete like even back in the day they explained just little shit where you're just like all right cool you know not every movie, but there were a lot of those movies, and and the same with trailers. Like they didn't, they 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 kept you interested, but they didn't show the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like bring back the dude that used to do the fucking, you know, movie trailers. Like coming this in summer, world. like fucking yeah, <laughs> in a world. Like, bring him back. Yeah, he's still alive. He's on TikTok right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he is on TikTok. Yeah, uh, he does a voice and everything. Uh, he did the but, Mission Impossible trailer. He goes, they, they, oh, the, this past week I saw a trailer. It was like so many holy shit moments. He swore, and I was like, <laughs> I have never, I never heard him swear before. And I'm like, that's a first. I was like, wow, times have changed. That's so great. <laughs> but overall, like, I feel like we add, you know, like we just need to dumb it down. Mm-hmm. You know, like the movie can be intricate. There's no problem with that. But we need yeah. to dumb it down when it comes to the writing to you know the film itself and to the trailers when it comes to the film like there's a lot of movies that are just way too much information and you're just like dude i did not want to try to fucking do a research paper a lot of people go to oh, two movies not to think to just enjoy the craziness yeah they think like oh my god like who's the killer in this and blah 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 but if it becomes way too much to where you're just like dude way too much information you know what i mean it's always like the argument of kids go to school for eight hours we learn so many subjects and we're studying and we're constantly learning these things how are you going to retain it it's the same way you know what i mean like with like and one of those like one of those examples is batman versus superman movie they put way too much shit into one movie and people weren't able to keep up or people were just like dude it's too long it's too boring you know yeah. what i mean whereas like i love ben affleck as batman but he had never had time to shine because they were just putting so much in and then he eventually just became a side character you know yeah i it, think well 
I'm gonna let Nick because that's one of Nick's favorite. And Nick has justified this movie, and I think I understand that movie more now thanks to Nick. And again, I remember he said, "Doug, yeah. watch Ultimate Edition." I was like, "Oh, what's the Ultimate Edition?" I, I texted him like, "Bro, you're fucking right. This was the definitely oh. if you if you watch the BVS the Ultimate Edition, it's a a better movie. It's a better paced movie, if you ask me. And it feels yeah. like it feels like a fuller movie. I mean, I think Theatrical still has moments of like really cool moments. I mean, don't get me wrong, but if you do watch the three hour rated R ultimate cut on blu-ray or on max whatever you'll see a better you'll see a movie that has more not congruent but like more like more consistency i would say mm-hmm. and i more think if you which is great like i didn't hate the movie because remember that we saw that and you and the boys hated it you know y'all were I just like I, thought, nah. I was i was actually i was i was like i didn't hate it as much as like our other friends did I was like, oh, this was this was cool yeah it, it was cool i i, I like what they're going for but then i, oh, I heard but you didn't and, you you didn't like it, and I told you watch it again and pay attention to 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 Ben Affleck and just like and I told you I was like what they should have did was they should have cut this movie in two point parts you know what I mean instead of Batman versus Superman or something they could have done a Batman movie introducing their feud and then do the Batman versus Superman because there's so much information within it just so much that they had to rush through in the theatrical version at least yeah. i haven't seen oh, the other one i'm well. not at that idea okay because yeah like hindsight is kind of 2020 i think for that particular scenario i would have done kind of not to like completely bite off of marvel but kind of like what marvel did you got like man of steel and then you do man of steel 2 and then you do a Batman movie, and you make it seem like holy shit, we're we're leading up to BVS to, to Batman v Superman. Yeah. So you do that that Batman movie, and then after the solo Batman movie, because it's his perspective on the whole thing. Like you would have it where he's fighting just whatever Gotham villain, but you can totally tell that um like Superman and everything like that is still on his mind. But then after that, then you do BVS, and it's like this is the final. This is this is like that ultimate fight. And then after BVS, then you start teasing justice league and blah 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 but uh joe joel to to your point and kind of because i've seen this a little bit with the theatrical edition of bvs i think maybe a little bit with indiana jones and maybe maybe the flash like i feel like movies have kind of just become more of more of a product let's put this thing out that we know audiences are at the very least going to see then we can make money off of it like they're not focused so much on the story like james gunn with um with with volume three regarding the galaxy volume three it was a successful movie but it was so successful because he focused on the story he focused on the characters right. and we had like kind of yeah. gone on that yeah. journey with them so it was it was a more impactful movie basically it was it was it was a film you know what i mean so it was kind of um it was kind of like that with bvs with the theatrical edition because it was like you know zach snyder's like hey guys i have this three hour version of the movie and warner brothers like nah let's cut it down to like two and a half hours they were making it more of a product than an actual film because doug like you said when you watch the uh the the ultimate edition not not even just with bvs but with his justice league too like each of those so good so much better yeah, they're they're fantastic. Like each each of those versions, where you really see exactly what Snyder was trying to do, the and the story that he was trying to tell. Both times, you know, you enjoyed the movie more. You get more out of it, and it's like, dang, you know, that's kind of interesting. Like you get to see more of the characters, um, 
more of their arcs, more of their emotional yeah. development. You didn't, you kind of got that the theatrical version of BVS, but again, it was cut down, and you for damn sure did not get that with the 2017 Justice League movie. Hell no. Man. Right. Yeah, Hell no, man. that was so bad. And that shit was straight like, dookie, bro. And the Flash <laughs> wasn't better. The, and like you that said, like nah, the Flash... I would say the Flash was a bit better than the Justice League we got. I would, well, I mean, yeah, the Justice effect, League. Visual effects-wise, But when it no. comes to visual effect-wise, no. But the character himself, like, they had that character development of, like, his issues. But as a character mm-hmm. himself, he was a joke throughout the whole entire movie, honestly. Because, you know, they made him the comedy relief through it all instead of showing who the Flash really was. Like, he's the Joker, you know, not the Joker, he's the jokester of the Justice League, but he's a very serious character. And I feel like they took away a lot from him doing the way that they showed him as. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I felt like yeah. it was way too much comedy for the Flash to where it's like I couldn't take him seriously. Like, the people who stole the show was Michael Keaton and I forget her name. Sasha Kaye. Yeah, Sasha Kaye. They stole that show right away. You know, if they weren't in the movie, it might not have been so well, honestly. And that's my thing, man. I mean, before I get into my review for Mission, it just, to me, I feel like we're coming to an end now of summer. After Oppenheimer, after Barbie, we really had nothing coming out. We have, yeah, we have Ninja Turtles. And uh, Blue Beetle, but uh, I just, uh, I just, I just I'm, don't think, I just don't think Blue Beetle's gonna have. Just, again, I think that wow with D- factor, right? And I think with DC, DC got shot himself in the foot of like no one cares because again, everyone knows it's gonna be rebooted like soon enough, and no one really. I think they shot himself in the foot with right when Black Adam was coming out because James Gunn, the same week that movie came out, James Gunn got announced to be fucking the head of DC, and I was like, that was a bad move because you have now you have you had at, at the time you had Shazam two. Flash, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman, your four films. And I, as soon as that Shazam movie had a huge flop that weekend, I said, y'all shot yourself in the foot because you guys announced this huge plan to reboot and the audiences don't care now because they're not invested because they know there's going to be a reboot coming. So why should they invest in these characters when we all know and, they're going to be rebooted? That's, that was, yeah, that was and, stupid on their part. And also, I blame, I blame production. Back to the main topic at hand, like production is being so heavy-handed on movies and that really shows throughout a lot of movies like you said with Zack Snyder is that they they came down and they 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 gotten in the way you know what I mean where it's just like they're being a helicopter parent not letting their child run free and experiencing these things and you know what I mean where it's like no you can't do this no you can't go jump because I don't want you to go hurt get, get hurt blah 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 like they're so scared of you know, these movies flopping and everything that they decide to not trust the writers, to not trust the directors and actors mm-hmm. and everything that they change so much to where they're sh- like, you know, th- where they're causing the pain to their child. They're the ones that are hurting their child. The movies, movies aren't doing as well, you know, so and also to add your point, I, Joe, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think what we need is production to step back. For movies to not be so, to 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 go back to you know finding new actors more often because we see a lot of the same actors in a lot of these big movies to where we're just like okay they're doing another character oh okay they're doing another character where it's like we need new people doing new you know movies and to 
somehow get creativity back into to the movies you know what i mean i i shared on my instagram not the one that public knows about but my personal instagram of uh of samuel jackson talking about anime he says anime is the best uh story they have the best stories ever because they're so creative you know what i mean so like yeah you can do a lot with animation but that doesn't mean that you can't take you can't look at anime and just think like okay like they anime's been around for so long and they're still doing so many new things it's just creativity is so amazing like you know like one piece and so many more but it's like you can get these crazy like you know like get creativity from these things and put it into our own movies you know what i mean we're not being creative we're just bringing a lot of old shit back yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, to to one add one more thing before we cap this part of the show off, it's it's I think another thing too is that it's I think they're spending way too much money on these movies. Like, come on now. Like, they spent three hundred mil on Indiana Jones, three hundred mil before marketing and advertising. They spent almost three hundred mil on uh, the Flash, which is I don't know where that money went to personally. And then they spent the hundred million dollars on. Um, I was gonna say not not. Um, oh no, they spent almost four hundred million dollars on Fast. And me and Nick both joined a lot of Fast for sure. I think again, it's like the first half, the first month of the summer had better movies with the Spider Verse and Fast and Guardians. But they're spending so much money on this on these movies. They're not making the they're not making the returns that they are that that they, that they used to get. And I think again, which is kind of which is crazy. What said being of the show is that. Again, if this was like a year or two ago, we would have been we would have ate the shit up like, oh my god, finally movies are back in theaters. This is like finally. But mm-hmm. now, now it's like they're spending so much money. And I, I today people are mad at Bob Iger today for numerous reasons. You know, I I don't I I think we said kind of true. He goes, we're it's it's oversaturation now of our own content. And I was like, yeah, bro, we've been saying that for almost a year or two now. It's you know quality over quantity. I think now we're really in a thing. I think also because of COVID too was that you know we were we had nothing going on. We had shows, 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 movie on streaming, whatever. But now since we're out of it, we're returning to a, we're sort of returning to like the normal box office flow for sure. But again, we're they're spending an absurd amount of money on movies that are not performing well. And what's your what's your what's your what's your next call? Spend the same much money on, on the next movie? No, you should rethink. About, I mean, look look this past week example. Dude, Insidious, a movie that got panned critically very poorly, got really bad reviews. Not, not bad reviews, but like pretty ugh, reviews. That movie took, in the second week of its, of Indiana Jones, that Insidious made more money than Indiana Jones in the second, in, 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 in the second weekend. And Insidious already made back its production bu- budget back in one weekend, with the opening of like 35 mil, I want to say. I mean, <clears throat> again, Blumhouse has been doing this for years. Blumhouse is the um, low budget, high, high, High concept, low low budget, which is a very smart method to have because you have these good ideas. You can keep it more, more grounded, more professional. Have a low budget and you have good returns. But if you're telling me a, a Sidious movie franchise, I kind of kind of have gone down a lot. If you ask me, in the past few movies still made more money than Indiana Jones. I mean, again, I mean, Crystal Skull made hundred plus million dollars opening weekend. It came out fifteen years ago, and that's crazy that now Indiana Jones come probably be another, another huge flop weekend this weekend when. Mission Impossible comes out this weekend, so it's just to me that if you think you're gonna get all these returns back, 
you should focus more on the quantity than the quality and then spending all this money on these big, big, you know, big budget stuff because at the end of the day, you're not you're not showing results. You're you're getting flops. And it's to me, I think Disney and all the studios need to do this especially, reevaluate what they're gonna do moving forward for their movies because they cannot continue to keep spending all this money on movies that are constantly underperforming. And again, yeah. if you, I think, a, I think a year ago we were like, "Oh my gosh, next summer, Flash, Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, Transformers, holy yeah. crap, this is summer, a packed full summer." And now we're seeing every week these terrible drop-offs, these terrible opening week numbers. These movies are going, are literally leaving theaters, going on streaming next week, or it's like, what happened? It's, it's you can't expect to win every time when you're doing the same results. You know, it's yeah. it's plain and simple. But again, I. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, it's just going to be now with both strikes going on. I think everyone needs to reevaluate all their shit. Everyone's, I think everyone needs to step back, focus on quality content, if you ask me. You got to focus on quality content. You got to focus on, okay, how do we tell a good story that, to your point, Joe, we're not showing too much in the trailer. We're not showing too much in advertising. We're not showing too much on this, whatever. Keep, you know, keep it back a little bit. And also, you don't have to spend millions of dollars on marketing. I feel like you're all, those, 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 those marketing budgets and funds can go back into either the quality of your movie or keeping sure that, hey, we're not going to be spending all this, all this money, all, the, all, all this money, but, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, Nick, before you hop off, my friend, uh, first thing, things first. Mm-hmm. Top five radar comedies and your favorite Tom Cruise movie. So my top five favorite comedies in no particular order are Due Date Friday, Tropic Thunder, Kick-Ass, and Sausage Party. Um, Sausage Party was, it was, I knew <laughs> that it was going to be like raunchy, but I didn't realize how far they were going to go. So uh, that was a fun surprise. <laughs> Kick-Ass was kind of cool. Um, it was, it was cool because like I, I'm I'm a comic book nerd, so like as a kid, I was like, man, like it would be cool to be a comic book like hero, superhero, something like that. So to see someone actually kind of go out and do it, yeah, he got part of my language. He got like really fucked up when he did it, but it's like you know what, you gotta you gotta give that character props. And it was Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think he's a cool actor. Um, he blew up. He blew up. Yeah, and Chopper uh, Thunder was cool. It was just it was funny, man. The star-studded okay. cast, and um, you know, I'm a movie fan, so it was kind of cool to see the whole. It was like a it was like a satire almost. So I thought I thought that one was pretty cool. Friday, man, it's a classic. And it's a classic. You don't even gotta say nothing about that. And then due date was just hilarious. Um, but my my favorite Tom Cruise movie. My favorite Tom Cruise movie, I'm gonna have to go with Mission Impossible Fallout. Like I, I love the Mission Impossible franchise and Fallout, because I saw that in theaters with my mom, bro. It just it had me on the edge of my seat. You got you got Tom Cruise, obviously, fucking Angela Bassett, Henry Cavill. You know that's my boy. Um, and just the stunts. It was like everything that they did in this movie. They're like, we kind of got to up the ante. So I just I love that. I'm super excited for Dead Reckoning, man. Holy yeah. guacamole! You're in for a treat. You're in for yeah, a treat. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll say that. Too, <laughs> yes, sir. I can't wait. All right, my boy. Well, again, man, again, I know you hop off, but before, we, before you go too, where can they find you on the socials? 
You guys can find me at on YouTube, Don Vision, capital D, capital V, and the Instagram is the same name. It's just it's all lowercase, one single word at Donning Vision. Uh, you can find us, like I said, YouTube, Instagram, and anywhere you can listen to uh, podcasts. And yeah. All right, brother. We will see you next week, my friend. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Peace. Right. Love you, brother. Peace. Doses. Oh man. Nick will be missed. He's always gone too early. Um, but yeah, guys, again, follow Nick on those socials. Again, also watch his award-winning film, man. Nick is a Nick and Jake, his roommate, uh, Darling Vision. They did a great job with the short film. You know, they uh, we won a bunch of awards. And again, you know, talk about quality, quality content. Again, Nick, Nick really had a great. They made a, they made a great video for literally no budget, and it looks fantastic. I mean, again, for for a for a movie that had literally like no CGI, nothing, it really looks great. So, if you want to see his movie, I really recommend watching it. Watching it on um, um, on YouTube. Yeah, it's called Who Are You? Yeah, it has almost twenty thousand views, guys. It's really good film. They put a lot of hard work to win, win a bunch of awards. So, go support our boy and support his short film because it's really special. Alrighty, so. Before Joe and I do our top five comedies in our favorite Tom Cruise movie, I'm going to review the movie of the week that everyone's been waiting for. The movie's got to save the summer box office, Joel. This is the one. It's going to save the summer box office from a really terrible mo- summer of mid-movies and bad box office <laughs> performances. <laughs> you know what, man? Tom Cruise did it last year, Top, top Gun Maverick. That movie was number, t- number three, top three movies every week of that summer. And it was crazy that that movie kept making more money and more money every week. And I'm like, Here, that's crazy. I, I will say this. Uh, there's, um, right, which is Tom Cruise might be fucking nuts. But he, uh, I love you, Tom Cruise, if you're ever listening to this. Uh um, he might be fucking nuts, but he really does care about the movies that he does. He really yeah, does. And the audience. Like, he, yeah, he, he cares about the audience. He cares about the crew and everything. Like, remember that audio of him yelling at the crew, uh, at people not wearing masks during COVID when they were shooting movies? You know, like, he really does care about everything about it. Like, he has true passion as an actor and, you know, everything that he does. And so, you know, it, it, it's just, you know it's crazy um you know he's like our he's like our american jackie chan you know he's yeah white <laughs> yeah. uh but so you know true. he does yeah he, he does his own stunts he's old as hell he still does his own stunts you know um but yeah no he he truly does care and he cares about the story how everything plays out how it looks he he puts his whole heart and soul into it which oh, his 100%. films are always doing so amazing, even when he's a side character, and it's just like, yeah, just be, just be a little bit wacky, you know, like in Tropic Thunder, he put his whole fucking heart in it, yeah. <laughs> you know, For he made sure. that character, you know, so real, so amazing. So you know, like again, just overall, like I, I never. Like when I see a Tom Cruise movie, I'm just like, oh, okay, nice. You know, like they're not always the movies I I'll run to. You know, like I know you love Tom Cruise movies more than I do. You know, but I do love Tom Cruise movies. I think they're great, and I never really have a doubt of like, oh, will this be good? You know, it always surprises me when like 
you know, you might go see a movie before me and you'll tell me like, oh, that one wasn't really good. It's like, oh, really? I'm oh, surprised. yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the Mummy remake. Oh, the Mummy God, remake was, so yeah, ass. which I still haven't seen to this day. God, uh, dude. I texted you. I was like, don't see this movie. You go, you, you go noted. <laughs> you, you, you went noted. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep my promise. If you tell yeah. me shit, I'm probably not going to see it. But, you know, but overall, just Tom Cruise movies are overall really good more than not. You know, so yeah, yeah. I, uh, but that's all I wanted to add into it. Uh, go ahead, continue. Yeah, dude. No, dude. No, you said it perfectly, man. He makes movies for the audience. He makes movies for really like, you know, for like, you know, you want to see his movies on the big screen no matter what. He doesn't make movies for streaming. That's why I think he, again, he held Top Gun Maverick for three years, man. This was coming out in 2020, and you know, things got better during the booster. He goes, it's not ready yet. He goes, I mean, it was ready because this isn't the time. And they really, I, I support Paramount. I support Tom Cruise and Joe, Joe Kaczynski and. Chris McQuarrie, um, really, that they waited for Top Gun Maverick. That movie made almost $2 billion, and that was smart. That movie made so much money. But again, it's, it's, he believes in the theatrical experience. So, yeah, guys, so this weekend, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 hits theaters. It's the seventh Mission Impossible movie. Uh, you know, the French kind of started off, French kind of started off a little like rocky at first. The first two weren't that great, but I think with three, when J.J. Abrams came on board to direct and produce and write, he kind of like. Pulled a fast five, kind of reinvented the franchise, made it up to date, more unique, whatever. And then Ghost Protocol came out the year after, a few years after, and that kind of changed the game as well. Like they really reinvented the, the, the franchise midway through, which again was a genius move on all the creators' parts: J.J. Abrams, uh, uh, Tom Cruise, Brad Bird, Chris McQuarrie. It's just it's really brilliant to me how they made this, these movies better and better each time. So. As Duell said too, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. You know, I grew up watching Jerry Maguire. Um, oh my gosh, let's go on again. Top, uh, not Top Gun. Uh, I watched Top Gun when I was a, kid, a little bit when I was a kid. But like again, Mission Impossible was fan 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 favorite. I was when I was a kid. You know, War of the Worlds. What I watched as a kid a lot too. Um, you know, he's been part of you know my my love for movies ever since I was a kid. So you know, there's an era where he has got a few stinkers here and there. But then he got again hit a mission. He had Jack the first Jack Reacher. He had Tropic Thunder, like Joe said. Uh, even with a small role, he still kind of had these roles that kind of just like made the movie kind of bigger, more, larger than life, which is very special as an actor can do. So, yes, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, starting off with the good. There's a lot of goods in this movie, but there's, there's some cons of this movie as well, actually. Um, where are my notes? Here we go. So, first off, again, Tom Cruise delivers another epic, thrilling, action-packed summer blockbuster. Like he, Tom Cruise has his way of doing it the way he, he knows how to do it. It's another great installment of the franchise and shows that Tom Cruise still is the biggest movie star on the world today. No offense to Leo and Brad Pitt, but I don't think they know the numbers that Tom Cruise has when he puts up to the box office and critic reviews, if you ask me. And he knows how to really, you know, again, he cares about entertaining the audience no matter what, whether it's Maverick, whether it's this, you know, Edge of Tomorrow, Oblivion. He makes movies for the big screen for the audiences, no matter what, doing the crazy shit he does. Off, hang on to a hang on to a plane, jumping off a cliff, doing the halo jump and fallout. You know, he really gives a true immersive cinematic experience in the theater. But that said, though, I still prefer Mission Impossible Fallout and Ghost Protocol more than this one. I think you saw my out of theater reaction that I posted. I think those two had tighter scripts with a better pace, well, also with maybe a better story. Um, but I definitely enjoy this one more than Rogue One, the fifth one, and uh, three, two, and one. In my opinion. Uh, again, so with the pros though. Again, the action, the immersive scope, the fight choreography is incredible. You know, it's it's so well done for a PG thirteen movie where you know you want to see stuff like John Wick, you know, and uh, you know the Equalizer, where the break rated R, you know, it's bloody, it's more kind of it's unfiltered. 
But for a PG-13 franchise, the action, this is very crisp and it's very well choreographed. And it's like, okay, this this feels like a, a true action movie. Next, I'm like, I'm going to punch him in the face. And then camera cuts away. And if you listen to Chastelisky, who directed John Wick movies, he points out a lot of flaws in action movies, both modern and back then. And you look at them like, yeah, these are pretty poorly made action movies. I love movies that have some really bad action scenes. But you're just like, ooh, this, these aren't as good as they could have been. But I do think for, for the Mission Impossible franchise, they do a great job of making some really amazing, immersive fight and action scenes, no matter what. Uh, again, ain't no, ain't no John Wick, if you ask me, when it comes to action. But for a PG-13 rating movie, does a great job. I will say, though, I told this to, I think I told this to you, Joe, maybe I told this to Nick, maybe at the, the Indiana Jones screening. Chris McCrory directed this one. And Chris McCrory has been Tom Cruise's the right-hand man for a long time now. Uh, Chris McCrory won an, won an Oscar for best writing for a great, great movie called um, uh, Usual Suspects. Great movie. I highly recommend that movie. And then he had a kind of a weird career of, of writing movies. That. Yeah, great, great, great movie, dude. It's really, yeah, there's some problematic people now in that movie with Brian Singer and, and Ken Spacey, but it's still a very, very well, well made movie. It's very, it held up to this day. I mean, what, almost 30 years later, it still holds up. So I really do like. His writing for sure, and then he wrote one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies, which was Jack Reacher, the twenty the twenty ten twenty twelve that we all saw in high school with a big group of twenty people. <laughs> one of my favorite movie experiences uh, to this day. But he had some stinkers that no one saw, and that no one saw like yeah, Jack and the Giant Slayer. No one saw that Tourist. No one saw that Valkyrie's kind of underrated movie, but no one really saw that either. And then he was brought on to do Jack Reacher. I think he also wrote some of the uh, script, script, script revisions for Ghost Protocol, which is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Then Enter Tomorrow. So he's been basically Tom Cruise's right-hand man for all his scripts since uh, Valkyrie, Ghost Protocol, and Jack Reacher, which is, again, Tom Cruise finds him, finds a guy he likes to work with. Awesome. So Chris McCrory now directed all the Mission Impossible movies since Rogue Nation, which is the fifth one. And I, well, I heard, too, I don't know how accurate this is. Don't, don't quote me on this. I heard different podcasts maybe a few months ago, around or maybe last year when Top when Top Gun came out, is that there was a rumor that Chris McQuarrie was the true director behind Top Gun Maverick because Joe, Joe Kaczynski, who 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 was Bill the the director of of uh, Top Gun Maverick, he did Oblivion with Tom Cruise, he did Tron Legacy, did a movie called Only the Brave, a movie called Spiderhead, and there was a rumor. There's a lot of rumors that there was two different cuts of the movie. There was the Kaczynski cut and the McQuarrie cut. McCory cut was the one apparently that we saw that we saw. That hasn't been confirmed, but it wouldn't surprise me. But I do like Joe Kaczynski as a director. I think he's a great eye for like telling great stories, big, larger than life stories. With that said, I do have a little beef with him as a filmmaker because during COVID, Chris McCory said, "If you're an aspiring filmmaker, I, I'm paraphrasing here. If you're a, if you're an aspiring writer or filmmaker, give up now." He said, "He goes, you won't make it." And I'm reading that. I'm like, "Fuck you, dude." I was like. As someone who's writing stuff during COVID and thing was shut down, who 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 gave you power to say that? If you ask me, and I, it rubbed me the wrong way. The more I read, the more I got pissed off. And he basically said, "Yo, get, get, quit your dream. You won't make it. You won't make it. You won't make it." And this article really kind of pissed me off. And I was like, "Dude, I liked you as a filmmaker. I still do, but as a person, you're kind of a dick." And I and I saw like one, in, he's, in what? Sorry to. No, 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 go ahead. Please. In what way do you mean that? Do you mean that in the way that, like, how Hollywood is staged out right now with keeping, you know, the people that they know, you know, like the regulars that they know versus, you know, giving the, you know, the underdogs, the new people 
the chances, like they're not going to get them, they because they just want to keep using the same people that they already know of, or is it like he's just being a dick, and he said in the way of, like yeah, you guys aren't gonna make it because Hollywood's already stacked. No, he he basically no he basically said, he basically said give up on your dream. It's not, not gonna happen. Basically, he came up as a dick. He came up as a dick. He, he like came up as a dick yeah. the way he was saying it. Like he was he was an asshole saying it. I'll, I'll try to find the article later. But the way he said it was very asshole-ish. And I said, what? Forget this dude. I said, you know what, man? I, I, I was very praising this guy for years with Jack Reacher and with uh, Mission Impossible movies. I was like, man, fuck this dude. And I said, you know what? I mean, but, that's... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But what I'm so curious is, like, how is he saying it? You know, I know it sounds like he's being a dick, but I'm wondering if he's saying it in the way of, like, Hollywood stacked, we already got all the people that we fucking already need, and it's gonna stay like this for many years, or is he saying it has in the fact that Hollywood's not gonna give you the chance, or, and there's already so many, you know, filmmakers and everything, like, there's already so many actors, just give up, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you're not gonna get that chance, it's a one in a million type of chance. That's what I'm curious about. I'm trying to find the article, but I remember reading it, and it was just he wasn't saying in a way of like you know we're just too full. It's like no, he was saying that you give up in your dreams, not gonna happen to you. Basically, he was he's coming off as like a pretentious douchebag, if you ask me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, McCord, if you listen to this, you know, again, you're a great filmmaker, but I'm sorry, man, you wrote me the wrong way when you were the, when you said that interview. That, that's just my. Yeah, but there's always has to be a context, you know what I mean? You can't just say, like, you're never going to make it. That's like, you know, that's like LeBron saying, like, you're never going to make it as a basketball player, no matter what. But people people do, you know again, what people, I mean? people, people who have, people who are, people who have, you know, power say that because they don't want their spot to be taken, basically, or, like, you know, they want it all for themselves. Well, yeah, I get that, but I mean, like, in the context of, like, we already have all the people. Like, there's not going to be a room for you. You know what I mean? Or is it just like... It's hard to explain to the point that I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, are they saying like they're not going to make it because of how everything is laid out and how Hollywood is? Where there's no... Where there's like less chance of someone new coming into the scene? Or is it that, you know... Or is it that, you know, like, or is it the asshole way of, like, we're stacked, we got the fucking, you know, we got the A-team, like, Michael Jordan dream team type of shit, like, I there's think it no was way, that way. It was they're gonna allow. We're stacked, like, we're good, we don't want new, we, we don't want new talent, basically. Okay. That, that's what I remember, I remember reading, it was, I think it was on Collider, I'll probably find the article, but it was, sta- like, oh, we're stacked, we're good, we don't want, we're full, we don't want you here, basically. Gotcha, and I was gotcha, like, gotcha. and I was okay. kind of like, and if it's that, then yeah, he's a dick. I was like, really, dude? And I get it. I remember that reading that during COVID, and I was like, it rubbed me the wrong way, man. It really did. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, I don't like that. So now I watch his movies. I was just like, yeah, I see interviews with him. He t- the way he talks to is like, yeah, do 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 do. I was like, yeah, dude, you took come off as a pretentious douche. Uh, again, you're a great filmmaker. You, you you have an Oscar. Congratulations, man, for a movie from 30 years ago. Again, it's a, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But I, just the way the way he said it, just I don't know. He came off with ash. Like we're, we're Hollywood's full. We're good. We don't want you here, basically. And I was like, yeah, you can kiss my ass. Anyway, with that, with that, you know, about the rest. With that said, back to my review. Um, again, he really, with my with my criticism of him as a film as a person in the film as what he said, he really does. He's a great filmmaker. He directs the hell out of this movie and this franchise. You know, I think he, like him or not, I think 
he was the right guy to be for to choose for this, you know, as a director for the next last few installments. Tom Cruise picked wisely. Yeah, he works with them well. Awesome. I mean, he got came on Rogue Nation. Yeah, he wrote Ghost Protocol. He knows how to direct immersive action sequences that truly feel real. They feel exhilarating, um, thrilling, and you and they have you want to see the entire time. Like there's scenes that again, I saw with my dad, and we both were like. I know for myself, for myself, I was like, "Oh man!" Like I was, by, I was by my hand. I was like, "What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen?" I was like, "Holy crap! Oh, this is crazy!" Again, it's why you see why why you see Tom Cruise movies. It's because of like, well, how crazy these stunts are. Um, you know the way he shoots chase sequences, especially in Fallout and in Road Nation too, but this one too. He knows how to shoot amazing chase sequences that feel real. Again, no offense to Fast. I love Fast and Furious, but you can tell when the, some of those are fake for sure. These the stunt the chase scenes in all the last few Mission Impossible movies feel so authentic, so feel real, like no green screen kind of thing. It feels truly like a real like chasing, like what well, this feels like legit. Um, again, going back to Rogue Nation again, Fallout. Now this, he's a very good eye and knows how to capture intense sequences through chase scenes that feel real and fun to watch. But again, they feel real and they're very you know high exhilarating. But like they feel they're so much fun to watch. Like there's like there's like three chase scenes I was like. I'm having so much fun just watching these chase scenes. They're a little long at times, but man, I'm having so much fun just watching this craziness of like di- different cars, motorcycles. It's literally crazy to watch. Um, the, there's some really cool fight scenes. Like, again, kind of how it was in Fallout. There's some like really intense, well choreographed fight scenes. There's a there's a fight scene in this. Well, spoilers. Again, this is my non spoiler review of this movie. There's a fight scene in a very, very, very small ass alleyway, like the smallest alley you can even think of. And it's two people versus Tom Cruise, Ethan Hawke, Tom Cruise, and it's so like you feel like claustrophobic while watching this, and the fight is crazy because it's two against one, and Tom Cruise is fucking kicking ass. You're just like, oh my god, and, like he's like being beat up. He's fighting two different, two different like assassins, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy, and it's really cool to watch. Again, claustrophobic for sure, but it's it's shot so like in your face, it feels like a real action scene. Again, McQuarrie knows how to capture these really kind of real authentic action scenes. Again, you said earlier, Tom Cruise is nuts. We know that. We love you, Tom Cruise. If you're listening. We, we, I still admire you as a filmmaker, as a, as a creator, a collaborator. You are really a genius, for, my friend. For the acting of this. You say what you want about TC, but Tom Cruise, he know, and his personal life and the Scientology stuff, he knows how to own a role, whether it's Maverick, whether it's Edge of Tomorrow with Jack Reacher. He owns Ethan Hunt. This is his movie. This is his, this is his role. No one else could play Ethan Hunt the way he does. And there's some really impactful emotional scenes that kind of hit me different ways. I haven't felt before the Mission Impossible franchise, no matter what. I think Big Rames, Simon Pei, Rebecca Ferguson, they also work great as a team. I think a lot of good chemistry from them in the fifth movie, in the sixth one especially, now this one. Their unit, their dynamic as the unit, as a team, really works fantastic. And it feels really believable. Because you feel the history between all of them and like you know what they've been through together in the past few missions. And again, you, you really feel for them at times. Again, yeah, like getting into more spoilers, there's one scene in particular with Benji, Luther, and Ethan that was a huge standout to me. It was a very serious and crucial moment for all of them uh, as characters in the film, but maybe midway through the movie. And for these characters, it gave me goosebumps because of how well it's acted from their performances and what they're, what they're saying regarding the mission and how the IMF has impacted all their lives in different yet, yet, different yet insane ways. And we never got that before in the other movies, maybe a little bit in, Ro- in uh, Ghost Protocol, but it was my first time them feeling like it felt like they're giving out this kind of emotional thing of like, here's why I'm doing this. This is why I'm here. This is who, this is why I joined the IMF. And I was like, wow, they took a break in the action and had this beautiful moment between all three of them. 
And it was a really good scene. I'm like, wow, they're bringing out such rich emotion that I haven't felt before from their characters in the previous movies. Um, the, uh, one of the villains, the, uh, Gabriel, played by Isai Morales, he was in, I think he was, he was the first season of Ozark. He's a great actor, if you ask me. Great villain, has a really good motivation. He's there for a reason. That kind of, kind of throwaway villains of like, yeah, okay, sure, he's there. He, bring, he wants to bring pain and suffering to Ethan. I love that. I'm, we're seeing kind of like a summer of villains. I want to see people suffer because I feel like, no, you bring pain to him, but like, what have you made, what have you made him or her suffer? What would happen then? And I love that. Because, you know, the last two movies had this one big villain with um, five, five seconds as one villain. Where I was like, okay, after you know that new villain, the, the last two, the last villain, the last two movies are, is gone, is gone now. How they gonna replace them? How they gonna, how they gonna like follow up with the next villain? And I was, I loved being proven wrong. I'm like, cool, they've surprised me. It was a great villain. I said, you know what, I'm on board for this. He was great, great actor to, to choose from for, as, as a villain. Sign me up. I'm there. Um, without giving too much too, it's it's a very fitting subject. Okay, this, this movie's been also this movie's been like in production for like three years, and like you, you said too, Joe, during that COVID, it was he was being yelled at his at the crew because they were they were breaking guidelines. This movie got shut down so many times because they were filming in the midst of COVID. The UK had really stricter guidelines than I think the US at times, and they had and they were traveling all over the world to film these on on set, not green screen, like literally on set locations. And again, this movie got shut down so because of COVID, because COVID outbreaks. People got sick or whatever. And like you said, we said, he goes, we're trying to make this, we're the only movie right now in production and people were violating the guidelines of COVID. Not wearing their masks, not paying it, not following the rules. And then the video got leaked of Tom Cruise yelling at his crew. And people were like, you know what? We support this because he's trying to keep people, A, employed during a pandemic. You're one of the few movies that had the green light to still make movies during a global lockdown. And I think, yeah, people, he's crazy for doing this. He had a point. He had a point. I think he had. He's one of the main producers of this franchise. He's one of the main, you know, partnership with, with Paramount. He had every right to get mad, and I think I supported him that because he was trying to keep people employed and keep everyone safe, especially. But with this movie, it definitely has a very fitting subject with villain motivation regarding AI. I won't say what it is, but I'm like, huh, its timing couldn't be better because. The use of AI in this movie is like, huh, this movie's for sure made for this time very well. And I'm like, you know, good on them. Out of all the movies of the franchise, this definitely felt more like James Bond-ish out of all of them. In terms of villain elements, role domination, cars, almost a Skyfall feel to it. In terms of Ethan's backstory, kind of background a little bit. I'm like, huh, I like that again. It kind of, kind of definitely kind of lured into the James Bond-esque of the franchise a little bit. Again, two different franchises for sure, but this one for sure had more of a James Bond feel to it than the last few movies. Haley Atwell, who played Peggy in the Captain America and the Marvel Universe. She's a great actress, great new addition to the franchise. But before I get to my cons, I do think her character development in the first half and the first few first two acts is not as strong or as it could have been. And I was like, yeah, it something the writing kind of bothered me for her characters. I'm like she wasn't interesting enough. I'm like, you know, I kind of wanted to see more character development, more maybe growth, in F, or kind of like more of a backstory. And again, I'll get into the cons later on, but it just it just did not feel like original or fresh. Kind of just felt like kind of bland. But yeah, I'll get into that on the cons. Cinematography and the camera work in this in this movie is incredible. Like how it was in like I was in Fallout. Same thing from Ghost Protocol to this. It's so impressive how the way they are able to capture these amazing 
action sequences, these certain shots, the angles and sequences is remarkable. Like there are some really things I'm like, wow, this is shot a lot of things. It's shot it's on IMAX too. Shot it so beautifully. I was like, this looks gorgeous. And like certain angles on certain characters, on angles on certain fight sequences was remarkable. And I was like, this is great cinematography. Again, Tom Cruise puts in all the effort and his movies too kind of follow. Everyone brings their A game, whether it's production, direction, acting, cinematography, everything. It's very well shot and the cinematography is really gorgeous. I do like the callbacks to the first film. Again, it's I feel like these movies kind of like move on from each movie. I mean, I think five and six were definitely tied as one. But I think one, two, three, and four are kind of not as rough as often. Well, yeah, three kind of was a little bit in, the, in four and six, but this for sure had callbacks to the first one with certain characters. And the, you asked me, you definitely got to watch the sixth one before you watch this. You will be lost with some characters. I highly recommend watching Fallout before you watch this movie. As a part one, again, this is a, the reckoning part one. As a part one and part two, I felt fulfilled. Uh, I can't wait for the next one. I was hyped for the next one. I'm like, I wait another year. I was like, you know what? I'll wait as long as I need to. This, I can't wait for the next part. I feel like a lot of movies that are split up to like two parts, like you know, part one, part two, is a big setup for the next big movie. But I'll tell you what, Joe, this one feels like its own movie and can stand on its, stand on its own. Then feel like, oh, this is a big part one for the part two. This feels like a full movie of like, again, it's a part one of a part two of a bigger story, but it feels like a, like a full movie. That again, we want that they left, left for more for the next one, but it definitely felt. It's like its own movie, no matter what. And I was very happy that I left. Like, cool, I'm fulfilled right now. Can't wait for the next one. Now to my cons. First, two things I'm kind of interested by. J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are no longer producing these movies. They produced three, four, five, and six. And J.J. was very involved with the produced production and producing and editorial of these movies. Last few movies, and I said, huh. There's no bad robot or J.J. Abrams mentioned in this movie. I'm like, huh, I wonder why. Did my research. I was like, couldn't find anything about it. And this is why I truly think, Joe, and I wish Nick was here, I wish Nick was here to tell him this too. No, I told him this at the Indiana Jones screening. I think Star Wars kind of backfired on him because he has not made anything in four years. He's been executive producing certain TV shows. But Warner Brothers, once once Discovery bought Warner Brothers, they cut all his deals. They said, nope, you want too much money? Go somewhere else. And they left. So Bad Robot has no longer, I could be wrong, but I think Bad Robot, his company, no longer has production, has a a deal with Warner Brothers anymore. I said, wow. And I think because how divisive and how The Rise of Skywalker was not well received by many, he has not been working as much. I'm like, huh, this guy was the it like he was the it director for a long time for a long time and producer too overfield overlord um lovecraft country you know their mission impossible like he had super eight he had so star wars star trek he had so much so much for him going and now it's 20 we're almost done with we're not almost done we're midway through 2023 and he has not been producing or directing as much and i wonder if star wars backfired on him of like, wow, we don't want to we don't want to touch him anymore because he doesn't know what he's doing. I could be misreading this a hundred percent, but I found it very fascinating that he's one of the main producers of this franchise and he's no longer part of this franchise ever anymore. And I was like, wow. Another thing too is I wish Jeremy Renner came back. I do think that he would have 
added more to the team. You know, he's, he hasn't been in since Rogue Nation. They, they never mentioned him again in Fallout or this one. So maybe the next one he might come back. So I feel like they could have used him a lot as, as a character, both the last movie and this one. So I hope they kind of bring him back for the franchise. As I mentioned, Haley Atwell, great acting. It's, she's a phenomenal actress. But her writing in the first act, in the first half, is so generic, and it, the dialogue and her, and her development was just not there. I was like, this feels just feels like another like kind of thrown in character, you know. It just didn't feel like I, didn't, I just didn't like care the way I did with um, Elsa, played by Rebecca Ferguson, who was a badass in the fifth one, sixth one. I felt I liked her character the moment, the moment I saw her. I'm like, I'm into, I'm into this. I like her a lot. I just didn't feel that with her. Again, two different characters, or even with Jane from Mission Impossible 4, played by Paula Patton, I felt way more interested in her character development as well as Elsa's development. I didn't really feel her development, uh, Elliot Will playing Grace, her development at all. I didn't feel any very bland and very generic. But the third act came around last half, where there's something happens that kind of redeemed it for myself. I'm like, okay, I'm on board now. But the first two acts, I was like, give her something to do, or give her something better writing, because this is really, this is really generic. I'm like... I don't know what's going on here, but it's like this could have been way better if you ask me. But I mean, nitpicking, but third act for sure redeemed it for me. Again, like I said, too, not the best dialogue out of all the movies that, again, way better than the first few movies, don't get me wrong. But five, six, and four, five, and six had way better dialogue at times than this movie, personally. My, this is my big cons come in. Side characters, again, had no point of being there at all. Similar with Indiana Jones 5, the henchmen really have no purpose being there at all. They're just, they're just there to hunt down Ethan. Like the CAA guys, played by uh, Shea Wiggum and uh, Craig Tarzan Davis, they're so generic. They go, we gotta, we gotta stop Ethan, we gotta stop, we gotta stop hunting guys, we're going after him. They have no development whatsoever. They have no true purpose being there. They're just thrown in there. They're generic CAA ops that are signed to track down Ethan and bring him in. And we've seen that so many times in movies. Like I said, you saw so many times in Indiana Jones this summer, but other movies, and in this franchise too, and I'm like, you know, it comes to a point where my eyes rolled a few times, because I'm like, this is so, so, I thought we're past this, it's so generic writing, it's so generic, character. I want to see two guys, we're going to stop you, we're coming for you, it's so generic, and I'm like, ugh. Also, the guy, the guy playing the director of National Intelligence really had no arc either, I was like, okay, he's just there, just to be, um, we got to stop this program i'm like yeah okay again generic and i think this movie I think these movies are above this of so comes to generic writing generic character development but again that's where i come that's where i stand on this uh palm clementif who was mantis and uh and guardians of the galaxy and the avengers movies i was hyped to go see i to see her in a different role other than mantis and the other movies but again it's she's so generic another hench she's one of the bad guys henchmen that trying to stop ethan and again, she felt like basically a James Bond character, like the like Batista's character from Spectre, Hinks. She has like maybe two lines of dialogue in the entire movie, and I just she, there's no real important dialogue from her whatsoever. Barely speaks, and again, she's a, she's she's used as a plot device to like stop trying to stop Ethan the entire movie. And I'm like, man, this is we've seen this before in this franchise, we've seen other in other movies. Like it's generic henchmen like stop him no matter what. Gotta stop him, you know, you work for me. And it's like, come on, man. It just it felt it felt reused, it felt generic. It just felt did not feel original at all. Don't get me wrong, the action sequences with her character are awesome. Her chasing is crazy. Um in Rome. And she's part of the alley fight that I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the review. Crazy. It's awesome. But again, like the CA operatives I mentioned it is frustrating because they have really have no true reason being there at all. Like, if they weren't there, would have made no difference if you're asking me. And they're just used as generic plot devices. Yeah, that's my opinion. 
slow pace compared to the other two films. I think it's two hours and four minutes, and it definitely flies by more to the middle to the end for sure. But the first kind of had a slower pace compared to Fallout and Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol. There's a lot. Again, it's not as tight as it sets up with Fallout and Ghost Protocol. A lot of build-ups for the payoffs later in the movie. Don't get me wrong. A lot of worthy payoffs. But again, it just felt really slow at times where I was like, okay, I guess we're still in this. Okay, let's get on with it. A lot of long dialogue scenes. It didn't bother me too much. Yeah, I'm a little nitpicking, but some of the pace kind of bothered me at the beginning just a little bit. Okay. This is my other big one, too. I want to thank Paramount Pictures and IMAX for hosting this screening, this early, early event screening. But come on. It was advertised in IMAX. Like, see it in IMAX. I saw, like, I saw a bunch of like, featurettes and trailers that were like filmed in IMAX, like the whole like, scene in the trailer where he's off the cliff, whatever. Once an avatar screening or whatever, or a movie that came out, and that whole sequence is IMAX, I'm like, I can't wait for this IMAX. The whole movie in IMAX is going to be sick because he filmed uh, Maverick in IMAX, Fallout was in IMAX, Ghost Protocol was in IMAX. I'm like, I cannot wait for this. Again, except featurettes, trailers, and IMAX ratio, there are zero shots of IMAX scenes in this movie. And I was like, I'm waiting for it. It's coming. It's going to come in that movie. The big, the big chase scene, big train scene. Nope. Nothing. Nope, nothing. I'm like, oh. Again, they were promoting the hell of this movie for like, see it in IMAX, like Top Gun Maverick, see it. There's some IMAX sequences. So I don't know if they may pulled it last minute or because of Oppenheimer coming out next week. You know, Oppenheimer has the three, three, four weeks, this pull of IMAX screens. So they're, he, they had that for a while. But I was like, damn. And I was like, man, there was no good, there was no IMAX scenes. I'm like, and there were so many good moments of like, that would have been cool in the IMAX format, IMAX ratio. Nope, not really. So, again, Tom Cruise is a big, big advocate for IMAX, like Christopher Nolan. I hope part two is an IMAX, because I think Tom Cruise has some really cool movie moments that were shot in IMAX. Again, I, as someone who advocates for IMAX myself on the this, on this show all the time, in the bonus reviews and the, my, their reactions, this is probably the first time I'll say, if you don't see an IMAX, you're not missing much, because there are no real IMAX sequences, so a bit of false advertising, if you ask me, but... I just wish it was being. It would have been cool to see that that that's that uh, that uh, uh, cliff jump in IMAX if, again. If you ask me, on on this White Widow, the character from Fallout, I thought she was utilized way better in the last movie. She again, she kind of she kind of used it more as a callback from, from the last movie in this one a bit. Bit of a plot device bringing her back, but I think they kind of developed her a lot more for the part two. So I'm looking forward to that. But I do think they just kind of wasted her as well. It just, again, she was really more fascinating, her kind of arc and kind of lore and fallout. This one I kind of, kind of felt kind of wasted, kind of just there to like, oh, remember her, remember her from the last movie? So that's that. With that said, I'm giving this a solid 8 out of 10. Again, Ghost Protocol, Fallout are two, my two favorite movies. Ghost Protocol is especially my favorite Mission Impossible movie. But I don't think it's the best one. Top three for sure. But it's not as good as the other few other, other two. I will say though, see this movie on a big screen. If you want to see IMAX, go ahead. You're not missing much. If you don't see it on IMAX. See it in Dolby. See it in Prime. See Cindy Capri, whatever. See this movie. It's a fun summer blockbuster. I think it delivers a lot of things that we didn't get out of Indiana Jones in the Flash and Fast as well. See it on the big screen. Support this movie. Support Tom Cruise. He makes movies that everyone loves and audiences love. I think he makes movies with a big theatrical experience, and I'm really hoping this movie this movie has a great opening weekend, opening week, a good box office run. I know we have Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out next week, but I truly, 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 truly hope this movie makes a lot of money because the box office, the movie, the movie industry 
need this right now with two strikes going on right now and you know when we need entertainment i hope people see this movie and they got to support the way they did with top gun maverick because this movie is a lot of fun and it's worth seeing on the big screen again eight out of ten for sure and now next topic of the show joe i've been talking for a minute now my friend what are your first top five rated r comedies of all time okay um i think we should end the show with this and have our one-on-ones okay because i think these are all great movies that people should put on their list if they've never seen them love it okay yeah um my top five it's gonna be where the millers great movie uh yeah um of course tropic thunder yeah Debt brothers <laughs> uh i have my top of my head hold on sorry the watch and so underrated. Papa's. so underrated. Hey, that's a good one. Oh my yeah. god oh my god i think mine is tropic thunder all those movies are super underrated super those underrated. are so underrated, man. Like, list, people though. really don't understand. It's so good, dude. People love those movies. This is, yeah, I had to think about it. I was going through movies on Google as you were talking because I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I was listening to what you said, and you did say like great things. I, I haven't watched the movie yet, but you know, you were saying great things. But I was like looking through my list of like Tom, a uh, Tom Cruise movie, and like like RA comedies and I was like man those I was like I already knew I was going to say Tropic Thunder I already yeah. knew you know uh, but I was like the rest of the movies I have no fucking clue it was between and also like honorable mentions I was thinking of like man like I don't want to say super bad because I do like super bad but it's not like one of my all time favorite movies so but enough. like but like you know like I was like thinking like man I do love the other guys and I do love, uh, what was the fuck? Hot Rod? Movie. Not Hot Rod, which I do love. That's actually a great idea. I didn't even think about that one. No, uh, no I, I, I'm sorry. I'm the my Nice rules. Guys. Nice Guys is a good the one, nice too. Guys, the other guys and the Nice Guys I was thinking about, I was like, I love those movies, but those are my top five. I was looking, man, and one of the last ones, I, it, the two last ones where I was like, yeah, these are the two movies, which was, um, which was uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, not Step Brothers. What else did I say? What was my fourth one? I said? You said Hot uh, Fuzz, and you said I'm blanking out. I, I forgot too now. You said Hot Fuzz with the Millers, Tropic Thunder. The Millers, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, The Watch. The Watch, watch. and Hot watch Fuzz were my so last good. two. The Watch is so underrated, man. Oh my yeah. gosh. Ten years There's, later, both oh. those movies are so underrated. Cause oh my god, uh, Simon. What was his name? Oh, Sean Pegg. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg? Yeah. I thought it was Sean Pegg. I, I shot out the day you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm dumb. I'm dumb. Uh, Simon Pegg, he, his movies are so funny. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's doing more, like, serious movies, because he, overall, is just an amazing actor, as is, but, like, he's where he impossible. came from, yeah, his, his characters always are so funny and so great. Like, I, I'm pretty sure people forget that he was in, um, that he was in uh, Star Trek as well. He's so yeah, good he at Scotty. He's so good at Scotty in Star Trek. Oh, he's perfect so casting. good. He's so good. But overall, just like 
like people really don't understand how such an amazing actor he is and like the depth of comedy that he he did yeah. you know what i mean like he's such a good he's so good with comedy movies with him and his friend always writing now they're doing their own things but like i know when they wrote commies together like dude me and you would die laughing in theaters or like yeah, when dude. we like got the dvd we would die laughing because i saw Shaun of the dead and that was hilarious me and you talked about it, and then hot fuzz was coming out we were like go oh, we have to go see this movie and sadly we didn't because we had a lot of shit going on um but you know, like I, I, my family got the DVD, and God, I was, I always cry laughing because it's just how ridiculous that movie is. Uh, so good. But Edgar Wright, but he man. does. Yeah. Edgar Wright too, dude. <laughs> he fucking awesome he, filmmaker. But, he really is, yeah. But overall, just like him and other movies is so good. You know, I feel like he's such an underrated actor because he really has like talent. He really does. So to see him come this far is just always makes me very happy to see. It's so yeah, just I'm a pig. I, yeah, my dad showed him. I remember my dad showed me Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I just love those movies. And I saw I, no, I saw no. It's yeah, as a kid, he, as a kid, no, it was young, no, it's, no, it's, no, teeny, showed me those, showed me both those movies. I just love, I loved all those movies. I love the World's End as well. And I remember my dad and I went to go see out here in Phoenix. We have the, we, no, no, you have in Chicago too. It's called the Alamo Draft House and they show old movies all the time like these movie parties, like kind of cool screenings and they brought back Hot Fudge, Shaun of the Dead and I went, went back from college to my parents' house to go see both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fudge theaters with my dad. It was just so much fun because it was like, we love these movies so much, especially Shaun of the Dead is one of our, one of our personal favorites and it was just fun seeing that big screen and like, oh, this is like why we, why we love these guys so much because it's so funny. Him and Nick Frost Edgar Wright is they're a brilliant they're a brilliant trio of like writers and and filmmakers. Ugh. I, I, the whole Cornetto Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz, World's End, Shaun of the Dead, it's, it's a perfect trilogy. Those great movies. Oh uh, yeah, the watch, dude, the watch, thank you. The watch is so underrated. For that movie, what 10, 11 years ago, that movie gets so much hate, and we don't get that. I I, I do not understand how much the hate of that movie we had has because it's so funny. It's so funny, and it's so like it's it's. It's it's see four guys, grown ass men, the neighborhood watch funny aliens. It's it's funny. It's a good and Yeah, it's such, it's uh go, go, go ahead. It's 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 just absolutely hilarious to to like see and me and you quote it all the time, especially all like when time. I play when I play games and like I fuck somebody up, you know, besides my famous saying that I used to always say. Now I don't say as much because you know, I've been getting my ass kicked in Apex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, uh, but like you know, like well, I'll be like, "Fuck you, Chucho." So, <laughs> <laughs> and no one got that reference but us. And, and growing up too, it was always funny. We're like, "Yeah, fuck you, Chucho," and no one got that reference but us. <laughs> no one got that reference because me and you went to go see that movie, and we die laughing, so like we're in tears, and that movie still brings me to tears. Like it's so ridiculous, so and funny. it's just. It's so great. So ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, you know Jonah Hill, Richard uh, Ayoade, Richard Ayoade. Yeah, like they're they're such a they had such great chemistry. You they know, really they did. all came from like such like with Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. Like it's understandable because at the same time they were coming through in movies and doing commies, you know, and stuff. And I'm pretty sure they were friends before this movie. 
but uh you know yeah, they when, were. but yeah but like all of them coming together of different generations and different commie type backgrounds to come together and make this movie uh for what it is is absolutely awesome because you you it's just a non-stop laughter and it's such a creative movie too yeah. you know what i mean it's so, it's so creative, creative for like it's uh, it's not just like your just typical comedy. Like the the movie itself and the story itself is really intriguing, and I just I I I love that those movies. So they always crack me up. Same with Tropic Thunder, Where the Millers, and um, how the fuck did I forget my fifth movie? Step Brothers. Yeah, classic Will Ferrell and Dave McBride. Yeah, uh, not Dave McBride. John C. Riley. No. Quincy Riley, sorry. John C. Riley, yeah. John C. Riley. I'm not good with names, people. You should know this. <laughs> John C. Riley. You the show long enough, yeah. <laughs> you know, they both got poofy hair. You know, tomato, tomato. Uh, John C. Riley, who I I do love, is such a just uh, just overall just such an amazing actor as is. So, yeah. But those are my five. We talked long enough about them. Let's go to your top five. My top already five. All right, top five. This was tough. I went through a lot of lists, and I was like, oh, I think I'm off. So, so again, it's not any order whatsoever, but I'm going to go with um, I Love You, Man. It's a personal favorite of me and my dad's. Like We watch all, we'll quote all the time to each other, no matter what. Paul Rudd, you see he'll have fantastic chemistry. It's a really cute bromance movie. It's super fun. Again, I saw Trudeau Zeta recently, and she loved it, too. It's such a funny movie. A lot of heart. It's really cute again for a rated R comedy. It's a lot. Of, it's raunchy at times, but it has a lot of heart to it. And it's, yeah, the chemistry between Paul Rudd and uh, Jason Segel is fantastic, and a great soundtrack as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Shadow My League, which is a super underrated comedy that I guess no one has seen but us. I feel like too. It's about yeah, four, was, four, yeah. four, fr- four friends. They work in TSA in Pittsburgh. Played by, one guy is played by Dave, Jay Baruchel. It's kind of this kind of scrawny, nerdy guy. No, he's he's he's. Decent looking, nothing wrong with him. He's just kind of just like a little bit of a loner. Uh, he's he's the most beautiful girl working TSA one day. She she's traveling to New York, or whatever, and like he's like, oh, she's so beautiful. She's out of my league, or whatever, and like they somehow like reconnect um, when they when he when he finds her, when he finds her phone at the TSA. He brings it to her at an event later on in the week, whatever, and they hit it off. And he goes, no way, no way, she likes me. I'm a five. She's a ten, or whatever. And it just seeing them kind of like reinteract because again he just like they had a lot of confidence but like again she, this girl was beautiful too and, it, and all, all his friends her friends are like really him no way his own friends play like T.J. Miller who I love met met, met met him multiple times he was just saying come on bro we love you but no way it's, this will never last and it's really cute seeing him kind of like both of them kind of like tell their friends of like no we like each other it's, it's gonna work and it's a lot of heart it's super funny it's some of the funniest things ever I've I've heard in that movie. And no one wants that movie that came out originally. I own that movie on both digital and Blu-ray. I just love this movie so much. It makes me so happy when I watch it. It's a very funny movie you can put on no matter what. It will cheer you up. It's a lot of heart. It's very cute. And some really funny moments that make me bust out laughing to this day. I love that movie so much. It's so it's just so funny. Yeah. It um, almost happened to me, by the way. Oh, yeah. By the way, speaking of what you're like, we're not going to explain this story. We're not going to go death, but it almost happened to me, and it stole it right from under me. If, if we get to make our TV show that me and Joe have been running for the past four or five years, you'll see what you'll see what happens, but it's a tr- it's very similar to The movie's very similar to what happened to Joe a few years ago. I mean, a couple, no, like, a couple years ago. So, Apparently, like, we had 
we had the real life three stooges in our life that's it and they uh <laughs> they they ruined everything and it makes me so angry i, I explained this story to, to my homie ashley and kim and they're like damn i was like yeah no it still makes me angry and all this shit anyways <laughs> so, we'll tell that story on our show one day for lucky enough your parents just didn't listen to this. I don't think I want to tell the story. <laughs> one, day. Mom, one day. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll think about it. We'll think That'll about it. Maybe. Another podcast story. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll make a side podcast. We don't know. No. All right. For number three, I'm going with Tropic Thunder as well. So now you, me, and Nick all have Tropic Thunder and this on our list because Tropic Thunder is a perfect comedy. It's funny as hell. It's un- unapologetic. It got there's some fantastic performance. Not just Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface because again, they're making fun of actors thinking they can do that basically. Because so many yeah. actors, actors think like I can play this person, I can do this. And this, again, maybe not so much nowadays, but back then, I just thought they, they were invincible. Like I can do this, I can do this, I can do that. And that movie yeah. is so smart because they're right. They're they're saying how stupid actors are thinking that thing like they can do this. And Downing Jr. really just steals that movie to this day. People are like, people have no problem with that. I mean, they're probably, the younger generation probably does because of, you know, it was so sensitive. But yeah, certain people do. Have, certain people like do. A lot, a lot of the black community, like, I mean, Fox, Jamie Foxx like, says, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Samuel Jackson, too. Uh, no, they love that. They and even still today on TikTok, like they they show the movie and they and you know the black, you know TikTok creator and they're talking about how much they love it. So you know, yeah. Because again, if they if they were if they were if they were making it out of hate or like spite, like no, that would not have worked. But they are they making were so, fun, they were making of fun of actors, black do people. That. Yeah, yes. yeah, but that would have been bad. Making that fun been of bad. actors First, doing yeah. it because they're making fun of actors. A lot of questionable things happened back in early 2000s yeah and like like it played these roles when they when they couldn't and the movie kind of shows that how stupid this is and again got him an, got him an oscar nomination too the same year he <laughs> fletcher one of the joker so i think of it again i think i truly think if the if they if he was nominated this different year than the joker he would have won best act oh actor. hands and down it feels like a year yeah. earlier 100 percent. He would have won. Um, that's uh, number three. Um, number four. This was tough, man. I was going through my list. I was like, damn. I'm gonna go with a movie called Top Five that Chris Rock directed and wrote and starred in it. Again, saw this movie with some friends in high school. Literally, no one saw this movie. Top Five with Chris Rock. Don't remember it. So, Top Five. Basically, Chris Rock's playing. He's writing, directing this movie. He's basically he's playing this. This comedy, kind of playing a version of himself almost. He's playing this actor that wants to become a serious actor, wants to become like the next, you know, like next big, like Denzel Washington kind of actor. But everyone knows him as, from his stand up comedy, from his comedic movies, whatever. But he wants to be taken seriously, and no one does. And it's a great cast Rosario Dawson, Cedric the Entertainer, Kevin Hart, uh, Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones, DMX is in it at one point. There's literally so many great, great like Gabrielle Union, uh, Anders Holm from Workaholics. There's literally oh Jimmy Smooth who I just love, love and adore. There's so many good actors in this movie. It's a love letter to comedy, love letter to like New York as well as just kind of like Chris Rock's career. And it's so well written. And it's super smart. And some of the funniest I remember seeing that in high school. I was my I was my ribs were hurting. I was laughing so hard. And again, it's an original movie 
well received. I think Jay Z and Kanye produced it when they were still friends. It's just it's so, it's so well made, dude. Had great critic uh, reception. No one saw that movie, and I always tell people, you "Gotta watch Top Five. I watch Top Five. It's hilarious." Go, top Five. What's what is that? I'm like, no, it's the original movie that Chris Rock wrote and directed. He stars he stars a kind of version of himself a little differently, and it's so funny. And that movie literally made no money. That movie made literally no money, and it's it's just a shame because that movie literally is hysterical. So. Please watch top five. It's so funny. Number five is gonna be tough. I had a lot of things I was going through. I was gonna do super super bad, might be up there because I quote that movie a lot with you. And I remember seeing that before I moved to Arizona, I seeing that with you the midnight 10 year anniversary, whatever. That was fun seeing it with you, Sebastian TJ and Galliano. That was a lot of fun too. So many options. Yeah, it, it was hard to be super bad or Harold and Kumar go to White Castle because I love Harold and Kumar go to White Castle so much too. But I'm gonna go with Super Bad just because that movie to me I watch all the time. Whether it's you know with Bill Hader, Christmas McLovin, because it's so iconic, it's so quotable. Like even 15, thirteen years. No, was it thirteen? No. How old is that movie now? Thirteen. Oh wow, movies. The movie is sixteen years old. Wow, jeez. The movie is sixteen years old and has some of the most iconic lines: "I am McLovin" or "Chicka Chicka Yeah." Or, you know, I always say to our listeners, to our, a little loud, me and Joel, we go, McLovin, why? <laughs> and literally, like, we'll be, me and Joel will be gaming a lot or just like talking to each other on the phone. And we'll go, McLovin, why? Come back. And we'll just crack up laughing. And when we saw that in the 10th, 10th year anniversary screening, we were just, we were just oh, yeah. busting out, busting out laughing. And am I wrong? We'll be, we'll be playing COD. We're playing, not COD, we're playing Xbox together. And we'll go, McLovin, why? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> so, was it? I think, like, you were running away the first time we said it, though. And God, I think one of us was running away. And, like, one of us goes, McLovin, come back. Why? <laughs> oh, because of the. We are playing Warzone, and, and the smoke was coming. And someone, someone didn't come out of the building fast enough. Yeah. And so we did. We drove off without the. <laughs> we just go, McLovin, why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Come back! He's so fast. He's so fast. He's so fast. alive. He's alive. It's so funny. And literally, like, I, it's it, it's so quotable to this day. So it was a hard tie between that and and Harold Kumar. But if I, if I had a number six, it'd definitely be Harold Kumar go to White Castle. That movie is very special to me, too, because it's so funny. It's so relatable, too. Like, you're just going to munchies, or if you're hammered, you want some, like, really good food, but, like, go, you go yeah. on a mission to find it. We've all been oh there. Oh, my God. It's, We've all been there. Been We've there. been there way too many times. <laughs> too many times, man. Those way, after, you know, the post-club, post-bar, you're, you're hungry for something. You want, you want that really special meal that you're just craving so badly. That that literally is Harold Kumar go to White Castle. And it's a that Cal Penn and um, John Cho are just perfect together. They're so funny. Two and three are funny too, but the first one is very special and it's so original and it's so well written because it's so again low budget, but it's so relatable in so many ways. And Neil Patrick Harris playing a straight dude is hilarious. Who was like obsessed with, oh, yeah. with cocaine <laughs> and sex and hookers. It's so funny. <laughs> it's the scene where he goes, "Did he just steal my car? The Doogie Hazard stole my fucking car?" And he goes. Yes. 
<laughs> or the scene... I think that movie was the reason why he was able like, to play Barney. hundred percent. hundred percent. Or he's or if he scene... never if if he never played that character, Barney would never have happened. Oh, for <laughs> for sure not, dude. Because everyone loved him and. And that was a again a cult again we were too young when that movie came out but that was a cult classic no one saw that in theaters but like the love for that movie was so strong it made two more movies and everyone loves Harold and Kumar um, and there's a scene that cracks me up every time I see it where they're in they're in uh, they're, he's in the prison when John Harold is in the prison and that he goes to the black dude he goes um, what are you here for he goes for being black and and then he goes he goes what he goes yep I was sent, he goes, man, I was at home reading my book. And they said, uh, they, he goes, uh, that call about a murderer in like, uh, West Village. I've never been to West Village. I was sitting home reading my book. And like, you see, uh, uh, Kumar try, try to, uh, get, try to break, uh, held out of jail. And like, the cops come in with the wrong, different guy. And they go, the blood is trying to escape. He goes, I'm just sitting here. Sitting <laughs> 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 here again. Dude, again, was racially profiled and was just thrown in jail for no, for no reason whatsoever. You know, go get him. They completely ignore that Haley Kumar trying to break out of jail, first off. You know, <laughs> get him. Dude, he's got a weapon. He's got a weapon. He goes, it's a book. All right, secure the book. Secure the book. And he goes, he goes, <laughs> the cops reading the book. He goes, what is this shit? They go, we'll teach you to read. <laughs> God dang it. And it's so oh, funny. Man. I watch it all the time. I say it all the time. And it literally gets me in tears because it's so funny. And the actor's a really good actor, too. He, um... He's been in a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to find the name, and it's the w- the way the guy plays it. It's so funny because he's getting just again thrown in jail because he was black and he was just again racially profiled. And he's sitting there reading the book, and he's, and he's trying to escape. But there's ignoring the fact that Kumar <laughs> tries to prison. Uh, Gary Anthony Williams, who was in the Boondocks, um, he's he's in a he's in a lot of stuff. He worked workaholics. He was always in Philadelphia. He's a he's a working actor. He was the internship. He. He's he's been he's been a lot of stuff that he's a really good, he's a really good actor and that he steals that scene in when he's in jail and it's so funny. But oh man, I, I, I love I love that I love that movie so much too. So that'd be my sixth one, but I have a lot of other ones too much down the road. But before we close the show, Joe. Favorite Tom Cruise movie for our audience. You will never guess my favorite Tom movie Tom Cruise movie. Would you like to take a crack at? Okay, I'm gonna guess the genre first. Is it sci-fi? No. Okay, good one. Okay, 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 okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Are we young Tom Cruise? Or are we recent Tom Cruise? Younger Tom Cruise, I say. Okay. 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 All right. I have a wild guess. Okay. I have a gotcha. wild guess. I could be wrong. I have two guesses. My first one. Is it risky business? No. Okay, second one. Now, I'm, I'm tapping out for this. Rain Man. Nope. Fuck, I lost. Alright, what is it? Interview with the Vampire. That's a good... Wow. Deep cut, Joe. Deep cut. That's a Dude, good one. I love that movie. Not gonna lie. That is very much so like considered a girl movie, which it really wow. should Because that movie was astounding with Brad Pitt and everything. Like that movie was such a deep like so deep. deep cut, and bro. Just such a different wow. like so different for what movie what movies were coming out at the time, especially a vampire movie, you know? And Great it's cast, just too. Yeah, it was such an amazing cast, and the young girl uh, who played the little girl in the movie, she did 
phenomenal. She did wow. phenomenal. Every everything about that movie was so good. So yeah, that's a movie I truly do love. Honestly, and that's my favorite Tom Cruise movie, just because wow. of how. Because I do love drama and thrillers. I really do. You do. And yeah. the, that that one was just that the story, the writing, the acting, everything about that movie is just so perfect. So interview with the vampire. I was looking through my Tom Cruise movies and I was like, man, this is good, this is good. And then I saw that, I was like, that's it. That's I was a, like, wow, dude. Deep cut, Joe. I'm very impressed. Told actually. you Deep would never have a, cut. Yeah, yeah, dude. I told I was you would maybe... never have guessed it. I, wow. I'm pretty sure like all our viewers are gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> I don't Deep I don't cut. give out that atmosphere. Yeah, no, it's so good. It's so good. They made a show which I haven't watched yet, you know, with uh with a singer and the guy from uh, Game of Game of Thrones who played okay. a great great gay, gray rat. He's also a singer. Gray rat. I almost said gay rat. Gay rat. Gray rat. I think that's his name. Uh, anyways, uh, he uh, he's really good. Uh, they did a show, so definitely need to check it out when I you know am in the headspace for it. But yeah, that movie is just astounding, and Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and everyone in it just did such a phenomenal job the writing the director like the production they that movie whew, so good so good such classic and i feel like more people need to watch it because it was so good yeah wow. especially newer generation yeah yeah dude deep yeah I'm, I'm impressed joe that's a get to go on deep cut man I'm, i like that deep fucking cut but well man, thank you my I, guy that was I, i'm very impressed okay let me yeah. think of mine let me think of mine now i mean I did say last episode we did our sequels that we wish could have happened. I definitely said Edge of Tomorrow, and I love that movie so much for so many different reasons. But I might, that's a I good get, movie. Maybe I should. Maybe I should get. I want to give him another one. Maybe Edge of Tomorrow. It was between <sighs> Interview with the Vampire and Oblivion. For Oblivion's awesome. Oblivion's so oh, good. God. So good. That's why I wish we saw the IMAX. That was all from the IMAX cameras, and that would oh, that would have been sick, dude. As you tomorrow in Oblivion and IMAX, uh, I fucking oh, loved it, dude. I want to say to tomorrow, you know, Trouble Thunder. Yeah, but it's not only his movie; he's good in it's it. Not but I want to say his, it's movie, his movie. Yeah, that's okay. why I didn't count it in there because he did steal the show <laughs> in Tropic oh, Thunder yeah. with everything. He steals like, the show. Okay, okay. Crouching fuckface. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> Take a big stab back and fuck your and own fuck face. your own face. <laughs> I'm talking scorch urn, motherfucker. Uh, we I love do not that. negotiate with terrorists. Terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> <Those are> clapping. <laughs> he goes, "How about I send you a how about I send you a hobo's dick instead? Go to town, man. Go to town. Go to town." He goes, as, "He goes as always. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and it, it still blows my mind that that was Tom Cruise. It's oh, I got the ad. Yeah, it, I did Bill not Hader. know. Dude, yeah, him man. and Bill Hader are it's such great so duos. Funny. I want to see them and more shit together because Bill Hader is just so hilarious, man. At the end of the movie, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, man, you deserve it. And Bill goes, really? He goes, no, dickhead. No, not with monkey could do your own job. <laughs> but, 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 but you know, so it's, so good. it's like, dude, it's Tom Cruise the entire time with the fat hands and like the hairy chest and like the prosthetics. You're like, I did he ask for the Cruise. big hands too? Yeah, then he, did, he was like, he yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch. There's an interview with Conan O'Brien that, 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 that you and I both watched. He, so Conan brought on Tom Cruise like 
before COVID, like when Top Gun was supposed to come out originally, maybe three or four years ago. And he brought Tom Cruise out just himself. And literally, Tom, and Conan says, listen, man, I think I gotta tell you this right now. You as Les Gross from Top Thunder is perfection. The crowd goes crazy. And like, Tom Cruise is smiling, like, he's appreciating it. He goes, and he goes, man, like, and, and then Conan asked, like, yo, like, why did you pick this movie? He goes, I love Ben Stiller so much. I'm good friends with him, whatever. And I said, all right, I'm gonna do this. And then he goes, but I wanna have fat hands. And apparently, <laughs> he said, Ben Stiller goes, no, 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 just be you. And then Tom goes, no, no, Ben, Ben, I'm telling you, I, I gotta have fat hands. Fat hands, I'm gonna dance. <laughs> I'm gonna dance. And he said, and he tells Conan that, like, he took, like, weeks of, like, hip-hop dance classes, too, which is so funny, hearing that. He's so crazy. Tom Cruise is so... Only him, dude. nuts. But and, uh, you can't stop loving him. Like, there, like he, him showing up in random movies is always hilarious. Like, what was that one comedy movie where, like, he made fun of himself on uh, Oprah show years ago? Oh, Remember yeah, that interview dude. where he's, like, laughing crazily? On the, shit? He's, he's hopping on the, on the couch. That was, that was a wild Tom Cruise. Yeah, no, yeah was, and then man. him and Ben Stiller did that on Friday. Uh, what was it? Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Where Ben Stiller was him and they're laughing together. That <laughs> yeah, was funny. Yeah. And it was that, a pretty uh, spot on impression of Tom Cruise too. He, he pretty does. Spot on. They, he pretty, oh God, yeah. So funny. Okay, so I'm what I'm gonna go something different. You know I'm not gonna do it tomorrow. So I said that last episode. I'm gonna do Collateral with Jamie Fox and Tom Cruise. Mm. Collateral is a fit, different movie for Tom Cruise too. This was a different movie. It wasn't. It was his movie, but it was Jamie Fox was kind of like the leading man. And for I was one thing. This movie is awesome. It's 2004. Michael Mann who did Heat. Um, I mean, so many movies, like literally fantastic director. He, it, Jamie Foxx, it's 04 LA. Jamie Foxx is a cab driver. You know, typical dude, he's working hard to get his own business, trying to get out of the cab cab service life, whatever. And then one day he picks up this passenger played by Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has a very different look. He's like gray hair, gray suit. It's very, again, this was like very different kind of Tom Cruise, like, like crazy action stuff. And Tom Cruise says, hey, you want to make a million dollars tonight? Hey, so Jim actually goes, yeah, what's the catch? He goes, just drive me to three locations. That's all I asked for. Jim goes, okay, sure. A million bucks for that? Cool, I'll do it. Jimmy Fox is waiting for him one day, waiting for him at one of the stops. Boom, body falls down. Oh my God, oh my God. Turns out, uh, turns out um, uh, Tom Cruise is a hitman. And now he's, he's high, he hired Jimmy Fox, keeping him hostage without him knowing. And it's a really good thriller. Really good thriller. He, he puts Jimmy Fox through the fucking ringer. And it's so underrated. I mean, I think it had a 4K re- remaster, maybe like 10th anniversary a few years ago. And it's such a good movie because it's different for both Jamie and Tom Cruise. And they work mm-hmm. so well together, like so well together. And it's a very, very different movie, but it keeps you engaged. It's thrilling. It's heart pounding at times. And it's a very, very great movie that I think no one really talks about as much anymore. Collateral. So. Yeah, I love Tropic Thunder. I love Mission. I love Jack Reacher. I love Edge of Tomorrow. I would say Edge of Tomorrow. I would, but I, I think I love Collateral because it's really under the under the radar for Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx movies. It's fucking awesome, and I highly recommend Collateral. So that's my my favorite Tom Cruise movie because it's awesome. So good, dude. Okay, I, 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 I had a DVD. I think I got buy the 4K. It probably looks amazing in 4K. I gotta watch that. 
Um, oh yeah, I bet so that cool. is a good movie. That's actually a good one. That's one. That one is really good, and I feel like that one's not talked about now. No, never, dude. Actually, never, never, never talk about. I never hear people bring that up. I f- completely no, forgot about that movie. Not gonna lie. So that's actually a really good pick, honestly. It's it's streaming on Paramount Plus and Pluto TV, guys. Definitely worth the watch if you have those streaming services. Pluto TV is free, so watch that. It's free. It's free. Free TV service. Uh, but Paramount, yeah, it's on Paramount Plus as well. I almost said Jerry Maguire because it's because uh, Cuba Gun Jr. goes to ASU, and then my graduation, my virtual graduation because of COVID, I took a line. I took a line from the movie where he goes, "Because I went to ASU, man. I'm a Sun Devil, man." And I think that as my as my as my senior, my senior uh, voiceover for my virtual <laughs> virtual graduation. So I love that movie too because the ASU ties to it. But I don't yeah. go with Collateral for that. But um, wait, wait, before we close out, Joe, again, I want to remind our audiences again, giving away three VIP early screening tickets for Strays. Like I said, you can go to our Instagram page, Linktree, Google Form, all fill all our information out. You bring up to one guest, pick one screening, or you go to our website. Maybe we have new productions. Click the screening tab, scroll down, click the link under the Strays poster. Same thing, Google Form, fill all our information, and I hope you guys get picked for the vip screening take it away joe yeah all right uh well he he plugged himself you can find my twitch and instagram on our link tree on our instagram and everything uh but if you guys don't want to do that you can always find me at the og cuban recon i also have a tiktok uh haven't started anything yet because i do need to get a laptop and everything and get everything sorted but do follow that eventually and i will be posting more on that uh a new game's coming out tomorrow uh so definitely you know you know uh uh we'll be streaming that very soon with some homies um anyways uh thank you guys for coming along with us on this auditorial journey through our opinions rants and just overall passion for movies tv shows and everything entertainment wise uh we truly do love you uh we love you guys that you support us so much uh that you listen and to all the new people welcome welcome to the family and the community and uh we are hoping to you know continue growing uh this family and community and uh just stay safe come back for the next episode we love you guys Have a good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Love y'all. Good night.